Thank you for joining us here today at Calvary Church, where we are committed to loving God and loving people. If you have any questions or want to learn more about who we are, visit us online at calvary.ca. Now let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, Steve McDonald. There's nothing like spending time in worship to kind of put things in perspective for us. You know, oftentimes we go before God to pray or even to worship sometimes, and it seems like our, our issues, the challenges that we face are like insurmountable. They're giants in our lives that, that sometimes tower above us. And it's difficult sometimes to kind of get out from under that pressure. But I tell you what, when you spend time in worship, like we did this morning, when you spend time in the presence of the Lord, it's like everything shifts. Suddenly the thing that towered above you now comes shrinking down into perspective as God looms high above all those things that, that you worry about, that you're anxious about. So I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you're facing today, that as you allow your time in worship today, as you allow your time in the Word of God, to see that perspective shift where you understand that He is still in control, that the good work He started in you, He is faithful to see it through to its completion. You know what? We've never had a, a better start to the fall than we have this month. Uh, we had a blast a couple of weeks ago at our fall kickoff, at our after party. What a great way to start the season as everyone kind of returns back to, uh, to the, the, the normal pace of things. But you can sense something different in the air, uh, uh, a Holy Ghost momentum of God doing something wonderful. And we felt that last Sunday as well as we gathered for our New to Calvary lunch. Close to 50 people new to Calvary joining us for lunch, spending time, young and old, individuals, families, literally from all around the world. And I tell you what, that is just an answer to prayer because as I pray, I pray, God, I pray that this church, the face of it would reflect heaven itself. And so what we saw at that lunch was just that. And so it was, it was such a treat spending time with some of you, getting to know you a little bit better and listening to your stories of what God has done. Listen, when you have a chance and you see somebody that you, you've never met before in the church, take some time, do yourself a favor, and introduce yourself. Tell them who you are, ask them about what God's doing in their life, and you will be blessed beyond belief. And sometimes some of the things that we struggle with and go through independently, uh, God wants to use other people to kind of move us over that hump or past that hurdle. And so allow God to work through you too. I also want to Say a big thanks to Team Calvary. Uh, even over the last couple of weeks as we've kicked off new things, those that are serving and leading and loving so well. I love this church. I love all of you in the way that you serve so passionately. And so uh, we're, we're just blessed here. You know, when it comes to the value of the community that we call Calvary, this church, and when it comes to the value of the church itself, of being a church on purpose. One of my favorite verses in, in the Bible is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. And Paul's writing to the church, and, and he begins to kind of reflect on the last visit that he had. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, he says, We loved you so much 
that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. (laughs) I love this verse because it summarizes the two complementary yet sometimes competing parts of our shared purpose. There's a mission. There's a mission to accomplish. And Paul reminded them that they were sharing in God's good news. But there's also a life to be shared. What we were doing at at lunch, at the New to Calvary lunch, what we were doing at the after party, what you're doing at your small groups throughout the week or serving on a team. Listen, when we share our lives, something happens. And Paul highlights how, how as they took time to share their lives, while they were carrying out their mission, they were strengthened. They were made more than who they are just in themselves. You know, no one can, can ever effectively do life or ministry alone. And healthy teams usually leads to healthy churches. And serving on a team or being connected to a, a small group of people within the church helps to shape who God has called us to be. And I believe it's these shared connections that are so vital to our spiritual development. Our lives, our families are all enhanced as we care and love others. And it's important to understand that the company you keep affects where you're going. You know, I read a great article recently talking about the effectiveness of of teams, of people serving together. And this was a, a digital marketing evangelist, and he said, he said, you know what, we're a team uh, not because we work together. We're a team because we respect, trust, and care for each other. You see, sharing our lives and our mission shouldn't be separate parts of our life that are, that are held in conflict, but instead they should be two sides of the same coin that are complementing one another. Now, believe it or not, I was thinking about this the other day as we were talking to some, someone about the church and its history. Uh, I joined the pastoral team here at Calvary just over 18 years ago. Like, when did that happen? Time has just flown by. But from the moment that we arrived, I hit the ground running, building teams, serving the community, serving the church, and doing it with amazing, amazing people. Some of you are here today. But you know what? As we served together, as we loved others and cared for our community and our church, we were also getting to know one another for the first time. We were getting to know who we were, our backgrounds, our experiencing, the different experiences that we had. And so as we develop these deep relationships, some of those relationships have lasted to this day. Meeting people who would eventually be almost like family when you look at them. And you know what? We would go on to do many other things, community fairs and, and uh, theater productions and outreaches and small groups. There's so many things that, that you do where you cross paths with other people and you become stronger because of it, as you do life together, as you do ministry together. Now, over time, we saw some of our friends move away for new opportunities, and others just kind of moved on for different reasons. But most of those that we came to love are still here with us today. And like the Apostle Paul, we we soon recognize the value in our lives of good company, as we shared not only the good news that brought us together, but 
We shared our lives. We developed the kind of community that holds us together, especially when we start navigating life's challenging moments. A very influential Nigerian pastor once said, you are who you are by virtue of the company that you keep. So the company that you keep absolutely matters. It's part of God's plan. And in his first letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote about those who had weaseled their way into the church and began talking to people to convince them that, that the that the teachings that they had heard about Jesus, that the resurrection of Jesus didn't even happen. They were doing their level best to try to cancel Jesus and the message that he represented. 1 Corinthians 15.33 is the response to that, and it says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. And so if bad company corrupts good character then it only stands to reason that, that good company should strengthen it, right? See, I want you to understand that today because it's so important in becoming who God has called you to be. And the other thing that you need to know is that, that God has so much more for you in your life than you're currently experiencing today, and it usually involves other people. I think we all need to be reminded of that, whether we've been walking in the faith and serving within the church for 30 years or more, or whether we just came to know Christ yesterday. Scripture frames it up like this. In a scripture that, that sometimes people love and bookmark and have stuck on their fridge, it's one of their favorite scriptures, but they don't often realize that, that the context is so important, that the conditions that go with this promise are incredibly valid for our lives. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. So we've seen our share of disaster in the world, and you'll see probably more to come. But those are not God's plans for you. But it's important to, to step back and know that, that God's plans for you are good plans. Now, when I first came to Christ... I'll be honest with you, I was a little concerned. I had seen maybe some folks that, that I don't think represented him well, and it caused me to want to go in the opposite direction. I was kind of a little fearful that if I started following Jesus the way people were telling me that I should, that all of the fun was going to be sucked out of my life, and that he was going to make me into somebody that I didn't want to be, or somebody that I, I wouldn't even want to be around, right? In other words, maybe I was assured of my destination that I was going to heaven, but I wasn't going to have any fun on the ride to get there. And so it was a concern, and many people share that same concern today. But now, having lived these lives with Christ and walked out what I've walked out, I've come to realize that that, that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's the absolute opposite you will never be more fulfilled and, and, and living of a purposeful life than when you say yes to Jesus and follow him with all of your heart. Because his plans, as scripture says, are to give you a future and a hope. You know, that's the second most asked question probably we receive as pastors is about where they're going where their life is going, what the future holds. People stay up at night very anxious thinking about these things. 
And yet it's only God who can answer these questions. It's only God that not only can assure you of your future, but can give you hope as you walk into it. But listen, this is the important part. Because this is the part of this, these series of verses that sometimes people don't read. They stop at the promise of Jeremiah 29, 11, but, but in, in verses 12 and 13, specifically in 13, there's a qualifier. Because even though God has a plan, a good plan for your life, even though he, he's given you a hope that you can hold on to, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're automatically going to get it. It comes with a condition, and that condition, as I said, is found in verse 13. It says that you'll walk in this future, you'll walk in this hope if, and you need to circle that word if, if you look for me wholeheartedly. Again, that's talking about intention. It's talking about purpose, talking about leaning into things. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You see, following Jesus on purpose and experiencing the more that he has for you, it requires kind of a, an all-in kind of a, an attitude. You can only experience the best of God when you give him the best of you. And unfortunately, some people just dabble with faith. They leave a lot of good things on the table. They take Jesus out kind of like he's a, a spare tire when you're broken down on the side of the road. And that's when you need Jesus. God, if you'll only get me out of this situation. And yet he wants to abide with you every single day. And unfortunately, people don't experience the fullness of what he has for you. So the Bible is always asking us to kind of consider more, to, to step up our game, to move to the next level in our faith. To walk in a place where we're living wholeheartedly, where we're living and following him on purpose. Again, I'll never get the best that God has to offer in my life until I give him my best. And honestly, that's a huge revelation when you come to understand it. I remember for me, understanding that at a young age in my, my teens, when we shifted from one church to another. Now, I had been brought up going to a church, and some of you have heard my testimony, where I did so because I was expected to. It was like checking a box on a, a spiritual kind of list to, to, to do what we needed to do, to be obedient to my parents. I had to suck it up and just go. And sometimes it was indeed like watching paint dry. It was brutal. It was boring sometimes. But it had everything to do with me and less to do with the church that I went to in my surroundings. But at the time, I, I had religion, not a relationship with Christ, not a relationship with the people that even went to the church. Because once we left that church, my parents and I, it was like we lived a completely different life the rest of the week. We'd look all pretty and, and Christian on the, on the Sunday, and dress in your Sunday best, but then go out and, and just live as if, as if he didn't even exist. In other words, you'd live like heaven on one day and live like hell the rest of the week. And that was going to be the same thing over and over again. We were living a lie, and I was missing God's best because I wasn't giving him my best. You know, as church leaders and pastors, we talk a lot about the word engagement especially when it comes to the development of your faith. So today I have a question for you. 
I want to ask you a question. How engaged are you in your own faith? In other words, how much of God do you have in your life? Is he a daily God? Is he a, a weekly God, a monthly God? Maybe he's just a seasonal God. You bring him out at the holidays. It's important that you take some inventory and look how, how engaged you are in your faith. Listen, as your pastor and all the pastors that are here at the church, we're going to do everything we can to help step up your engagement to God and to your church family. Now, the Bible uses the word discipleship to describe that process. That's what it looks like as we grow in him. Jesus didn't just come to the earth to get a crowd to follow him. He came to, to find followers, disciples, fully devoted followers of Christ. And after you say yes to, to Christ, he wants you to keep growing, to be intentional, to do that on purpose. God has much more for your life and for your family, but it requires spiritual growth. Now, the theological side of that looks like this. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians. Let's look at chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. It says, for it is by grace. Now, let's stop there for a minute. The word grace here means you're, you're getting something that you didn't deserve. Where mercy, on the other hand, is the opposite of that. Mercy is not getting something you did deserve. But he gives us both. It's not something you earn by the, the good things that you did. He has forgiven you of your sin. He paid that price. You can't serve enough. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't be good enough to save yourself. You cannot do it on your own. He gifts it to you when you say yes to following him. So it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. There it is, right? Not by works. Not by the things that you do so that no one can boast. Because if you could earn your way into it, if you could serve enough and pray enough and be holy enough, then you could brag about where you're at because it was something you did. You could boast about it. But the scripture says no, because we are God's handiwork. Another translation says we're his masterpiece. I touched on that in episode one of this series. We're his masterpiece, his, his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to serve which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That's God's plan for our lives. So we don't serve to get saved. We serve because we are saved. It flows out of a relationship that we have with him. Now, there's only three things that you can do with your life. You can waste it, you can spend it, or you can invest it. But to make your life truly amazing, you need to invest it in something that will outlast you. The worst thing that you can do is live simply for yourself. He created you to live your life serving and loving other people as he did. So now the practical side of that. We just talked about the theological side of it. The practical side of it looks like this. And we know that Jesus came to earth to do two things, according to Mark. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man 
came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus came to, to serve and he came to give. He came to give his life so that you and I could live the life he's created us to have as we follow him, as we are disciples, fully devoted followers of Christ. Now the good news is that God not only shaped us to serve, but he gave us a model. He came in the form of his son to say, this is how you do it. This is what I'm talking about. When I say, follow me and become like me, this is what I'm talking about. So done properly, what does serving on purpose look like as modeled by the life of Christ? Because to me, I'm always going back to that. Do I see it in the life of Jesus? The first thing that we see is serving is a, a, a merciful act. We saw that in the life of Jesus. The book of Matthew says that, that Jesus one day was walking down a road on his way to Jericho, and a couple of blind guys started to yell at him. And the crowd was basically telling these two guys, you guys just need to shut up. But they just got louder and louder and louder. Matthew 20, 30, and 32 says two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And when Jesus heard them, he stopped. He stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? I love this. I love that Jesus uh, never assumed what people wanted of him. Clearly, he could look at these guys and tell that they were blind. But he says, what, what can I do for you? How can I help you? It's important that we articulate the things we're believing for. He wanted to hear from them what it is they wanted. Now, if you look at that scripture that we just read, those two verses, I want you to, to circle the word stopped. It says in verse 32, when Jesus heard them, he stopped and called. What do you want me to do for you? You see, if you want to be effective in being used by God, if you want to, to serve him the way God has intended for you, then you must be willing to show mercy. And showing mercy, truly showing mercy, is a willingness to be interrupted. Did you know that most of Jesus' ministry and most of his miracles were actually interruptions? Right? His first miracle interrupted at a wedding. His second miracle interrupted on the way to Galilee. A lot of people spend a lot of time focusing on the steps of Jesus. But sometimes we need to not overlook the stops of Jesus. Because it was when he was interrupted that we see the love of God flow to humankind. Second thing that we see in the life of Jesus by way of what serving looks like is that we see that serving is a, is a grateful act. To serve like Jesus, to be the church on purpose, we have to serve gratefully. Grateful that we have this amazing opportunity, you and I, to serve. Jesus, we see this in his life. He was on his way to a funeral once to, to go and, and see the family of, of one of his close friends, Lazarus, who had, had died. But he wasn't going to just mourn. Jesus was going to minister. John eleven forty one to 42 says, so they rolled the stone aside and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all those people standing here 
so that they will believe that you sent me. I want them to know in this moment that I'm grateful that you hear me when I call upon you. Jesus had an attitude of gratitude in everything that he did. And now he was modeling how to serve others with thanks. The third thing that we see in the life of Jesus in his service to others was that serving was a a faithful act. Now, what does that one really mean? Well, the simplest form is that you just don't give up. You got this bulldog tenacity to keep trusting him. You keep on going. You don't quit in the middle of your assignment. You see, Jesus was faithful, faithful in fulfilling his service. And at the end of his ministry here on earth, this is what he said. These were his words, John 17, 4. I brought glory to you here on earth by, listen, what is it? By completing the work you gave me to do. It's not how you start the race that matters, it's how you finish it. And Jesus crossed that line, completing exactly what his father had sent him to do. I want you all to be able to say, someday when you get to heaven, when it's all said and done, I have completed what you gave me to do. Maybe not in a perfect way, but you did it with his help, with his strength, being perfected in that weakness. Like Christ, you didn't give up. You didn't give in. You were faithful in serving other people. You finished the race strong. Now, speaking of finishing the race and even finishing our message today, I want to do something today that's a little different than we normally do. I want to ask you to reach into the seat pocket in front of you. Brad, if you can grab me one of those orange cards down here. I want you to take out that orange Next Steps card, and I want you to look, look it over. This is important. This is, we don't usually do this at the end of the service, but just hand me that card. Thank you, thank you. You'll see this card in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you're online, you can go and, and you can send an email to connect at calvary.ca or even go on our website and find the same information. But, but this is an opportunity for you in serving him to let us know what interests you, how you would like to, to serve and to, to help. And so I want you to take some time today, and if, if everybody here today can do the same thing, everyone grab one of these cards. Would you do that right now? Grab this card and, and just bear with me for a minute. I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first one is, how many of you today serve in some way, in some capacity here at Calvary, either on a schedule, on a team, serve in any capacity within the church? If that's you, wave your orange card at me. And you can wave from home if you're watching online. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. I want you to know how much we love you and love your faithfulness and your commitment. And so I want the rest of you all to see how many people are involved. It takes a lot of people to do what we do on a Sunday and even throughout the week. Now, if you've got a card in your hand and you've not been involved yet on a team, but you've been interested in doing it, then today is a great opportunity for you. I want you to prayerfully consider which of these areas that that you might like to help in and check them off, put your name and your email, that's all we need, and then drop it off at the foyer table, the next steps table, or give it to anybody with a Calvary lanyard on today, and somebody from our team will get back to you this week because we want to see you continue to grow in your faith as you begin to live in a deeper way, a more wholehearted way within the church. You know, I've talked to many people and they've attributed 
some of the greatest growth in their Christian walk to the times they've served on teams within the church, when they loved other people and got past the things they were going through to see the needs that were in other people. So today is your opportunity to do that. Again, if you're watching online, I want to encourage you to jump over to our website, calvary.ca, and you're going to see there under events, and I want to tell all of you about this today. Our Next Steps class is one of the best classes we offer here at Calvary. It's a one-hour class during our first service, and it goes over four weeks. So four classes, uh, you come to the first service, you go to the class down in our fireside room, and then you can come to the second service and go to church with everybody. But this class is fantastic. It talks about who we are, where we're going as a church, but it also helps you to discover your purpose, to discover where you can fit in to this puzzle. And the next class that we have is on Sunday, October the 1st, and so I want to encourage you to jump online, calvaryat.ca, and go to events, look for Next Steps class, and you can register online. It's free, and you will be so glad that you did. The class ends on the fourth week with helping you to find a, a, a way to serve within the church. And it kind of links your interests with the actual trying something out. And, and there's lots of opportunities to try different things, and if it's not working, to try something else. But ultimately, we're just looking for you to engage not only with your walk with God, but to engage in this family that God has called us to be in when it comes to the church. So I want to encourage all of you to do that today. Let's take some next steps. We're excited as a, as a church to be a part of that process within your life. And again, if you have any questions, if you're watching online or even here in the house, you can send an email to connect at calvary.ca and you'll get all the information that you need. All right, today was an awesome day. Let's take some time and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for you, uh, Holy Spirit, being at work within our lives. That the good work you've started within us, we know that you are faithful to see it through to its completion. Today, I pray that we would recognize the plans for good that you have for each and every one of us. And today, wholeheartedly, we lean into that. And on purpose, we live that life as we serve you and love you. We also serve and love the people that you've called us to do this life with. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. God's best to you all, Calvary. We'll see you again next week.